Hananian. On a Mazda Miata, to get to the fuel pump, you have to remove the fuel pump access plate, which is along the back deck with a convertible car. You move the bucket seats all the way forward, and you squeeze your gigantic body compared to this car into the back seat area there, and you take off the deck. The Car Doctor. Something's weird here. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of the left side of the access hole, pops up Mickey. You know, Mickey Mouse. The mouse is sitting in his chair. Remember, like, what are you doing in my car? Uh, I, I, I... I've got everything planned. You see, I was saving it for a surprise. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions, whatever you've got going on automotive-wise. 855-560-9900. Give us a call. Let's talk about it. Let's solve that car problem. Problem. More information about us down here at, uh, out at cardoctorshow.com, as well as uh, podcasting is available there. And keep in mind that the 855-560-9900 phone number is 24-7. You can call it any time, day or night. We're live on the air Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. But Tom Ray, executive producer, chief cook and bottle washer, will call you back and put you in the next live queue if you leave a recorded message on that line at non-show hours. And uh, we'll be able to talk and converse about your car problem, whatever it might be. I want to go back to last week's show. Last week's show, we had a really unusual call. Uh, the gentleman, I think he was from Maine with the Camaro that was condensing water and it was rusting. And and my answer was, you know, let's look at the environment. And he sort of verified the possibility of environment being the cause because he said that the um, garage would water in the uh, would build up in a surface of his toolbox and it would rust over time and you know either the, either that car was a water magnet no 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 pun intended haha but or it's a yeah I'm here all day folks or it's it's you know it it is environment and and you have to look at environment you have to look at how is that vehicle being stored I thought of it this week when. Tommy brought me his 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee. I've known Tom and Sherry. They live in town, and I've been working on their cars for, I mean, geez, 35 years. And I can I can remember all their cars. Their 85 Ford Crown Vic wagon, sky blue. Their 97 Dodge Grand Caravan. There was one in between, I think, but it was very short-lived because one of the kids took it out west, and it was never seen or heard from again. And their current cars, their their 2010 Dodge Grand Caravan and Tommy's 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee. The Grand Cherokee was in for service, 60,000-mile service. And when I tell you Tommy keeps a clean car, Tommy keeps a clean car. Tommy prides himself on really, you know, everything is spit and polish and, uh, you know, everything's in its place. He's a He was an HVAC technician for a local hospital, so he's very meticulous and, you know, put the tools away and everything has its place with Tommy. And you can see it in the way that he takes care of his vehicles. If, if you're in Tom's car and working on it one day and it rains and you're caught in the rainstorm on a road test, 
I mean, the, the water just instantly beads up on the hood because it's everything's waxed all the time. It's very well cared for. So he was in for a 60,000-mile service, and it was, you know, fluids and, and fuel system cleaning and the typical things you do at 60,000 miles on most vehicles today. And I did the trans service first. And I noticed, you know, and I, I said, geez, am I crazy? But the pan on the transmission... The paint, and it's the, it's the NAG1 Trans, so it's the Benz Trans in a, in a Chrysler product. And the paint on the pan is starting to lift at the edge. Like it's getting rusty and it's pushing the paint away from the, the steel. And there's a little bit of a rust blister. There's a, a very low-level rust. It's, it's beyond being a pimple. It's a rust blister that's starting to form on the bottom of the pan. I said, ah, geez, you know. Chrysler, all junk, right? No, it's, eh, we'll just you know hold your judgment, and you know how could that be? The belly pan on the transmission, you have to take down this, this this dust shield, and there's four bolts that hold it up into the cross frame to you know keep it in place. And all three of them, the first three, fought me tooth and nail coming out. The fourth one snapped off clean right in the frame. And here's a sixty thousand mile, well cared for vehicle. And you say, geez, that just doesn't seem right. I had to rotate the tires. When I rotated the tires, you ever look at the end of an axle flange, a CV drive axle? It's put on with a nut, right? The, the, the nut goes on and it holds it in place and then the cotter pin goes through. And, you know, then it's covered up by the wheel. So it's, it's kind of protected. So I took the wheels down to rotate the tires and I just couldn't help but notice that there's this blob of rust where there had been a nut. I called Tom up. I said, you got to come down and see this. I said, I don't get this. It's, And we started talking, and the, the 85 Ford came up. And I said to him, I said, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Tom, you know, throughout the Ford's life, we were kind of plagued by rust, but not nearly as bad as this. And I said, why does my mind seem to think that rust is a problem for you? And he thought about it, and he said, you know, you're right. He goes... The past five cars I've had over the last, because Tommy keeps his cars over the last 25 years, they've, they've all kind of had excessive rust problems. He said, except for that, and I forget what he said it was, the one before the, uh, before the 97 Dodge, because that one went west right away with one of the kids. So it seemed to have escaped. And I said, this is an environment thing. I just keep coming back to environment. I said, Tom, you don't have a garage, do you? He says, no. And I said... Any other cars in the neighborhood really rust out as fast as yours? And he said, not really. He said, but I don't really talk to anybody. And I'm kind of parked off by the side. He's at the end of the street. He's the last driveway. And, you know, you'd have to see the neighborhood, but he's kind of the last driveway. And then, you know, it's the dead-end street. And then there's railroad tracks. And then there's some freight yards on the other side of the railroad tracks. And we're talking about it. And Tom looks at me and he says, of course, there is the salt pile. The salt pile? I went, you know, you're right. At the end of the tracks, at the end of the street, on the other side of the street, on the other side of the tracks, there's a salt pile that used to be the DPW salt mine, and you know now it's something else, and they're, they're getting rid of it slowly. Because the problem is it rots the railroad tracks. And, you know, but when I say it's it's... It's probably a good 
it's it's got to be one, two, three. It has to be four football lanes. It has to be four five hundred yards away. Easy. It's 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 four or five houses. The width of four railroad tracks. The other side of the parking lot. The other side. So that's got to be. I bet you it's six six to eight hundred yards away. And then it's it's shrouded by a protective fence that they seem to have to replace every couple of years because it rots away. <laughs> um, they haven't found anything yet that'll hold up to it. And I thought about our car up in Maine, and you know, you think about the corrosive effects of environment, and you don't realize. You know, Tommy just took it for granted all these years, but we we kind of put two and two together and said, you know. Look at it. Five cars in a row, except for the one that got away because it moved west. And it's not its not so much the car. It's, it's the environment that it's in. And it just goes to show you how important and how big a role environment plays. Tommy never knows goes, goes on that side of the tracks. He's got no reason to be over there. But the wind in bad weather and rain and everything and the wind come whipping down the street and it just carries it over and over time. You know, once again, proving my theory that buying a new car means you just earn the right to throw it away one piece at a time. But, um, I, you know, so just just food for thought. Look at the environment. Look about and, you know, maybe you got to think about getting a uh, a garage, maybe, a, you know, a big garage so you can store extra stuff like extra cars. But I just wanted to pass that along. Uh, that's what this radio show is, right? We talk about cars and uh, we solve problems. But I just wanted to let you know, I really think it's environment. I think it's going to be environment with that, that Camaro up in Maine. I'm curious to see what happens when that fellow moves the car, if he moves the car out. Does it still continue to rust? Because I know of no reason, no way, no how that a car can be a water magnet like that. So um, anyway, food for thought. We'll return right after this. We'll open up the garage doors and start taking calls, 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. Don't go away. it on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right 855-560-9900 now back to ron from the great state of kansas home of dwight eisenhower yosef with an 05 honda odyssey how are you today yosef how can i help uh well we're flooded up here <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah the, the floods throughout the uh, midwest part of the, st- of the of the country are tough this year right look at uh, where's it iowa Iowa's iowa t- i was taking a beat yep yeah Kansas and yep. pretty much everywhere. Yeah. So, well, not New Jersey. I can tell you that we're fortunate. Um, of course, we'll probably have the drought, and uh, we'll be buying water from you guys. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll see. What can I do for you today? Well, I have a couple questions sure. for you sure. on this Honda Odyssey that I've got. Okay. Well, it's my dad's, but I uh, noticed this the other day, but. As I was getting into the driver's side sliding door, it was hard to open. Like, the the door would open partway, and then it would go back closed like it was power-assisted. But then when I go to try and open it again, it would keep doing it like something was caught in the mechanism Okay. to open up the door. Okay. And... and then when I went to try it on the passenger side, the passenger side door lock was making like a funny buzzing so- sound. For the sliding door or for the passenger side front door? Passenger side uh, 
front door, okay. the door lock. Okay. Is that normal, or do we've got issues? No, it sounds like you've got you've got. It sounds like you've got two separate things going on. But I would tell you to fix the slider first, on the chance that something's commanding the slider and affecting the passenger front. But to be affecting the passenger front. In theory, the way those cars are wired, it should be affecting the driver's front, too, if the command is being given. Well, the command, uh, the driver's door, I mean, we have to manually unlock it and lock it ourselves because the, with the key. Because the actuator is broken? I think so. All right. So let's do this. If you were to disconnect the battery, and I'm talking a little esoterically here, if you were to take power away from the vehicle and open that slider, is it still bound up? Does it still feel like it's binding, or does it open normal? Uh, we've tried. There's like a switch on the driver's side. To turn panel. it off. Yeah, we've tried that, and it seems like it's still binding. Okay. So let's make an assumption, which is a bad word, but we'll start here that we've got a mechanical failure of the sliding door mechanism. All right? If you okay. look if you look at the side of the car, there's that there's there's the track that the back of the door rides in and yeah. there's a plastic uh, panel that's above that. That's okay. the, that's the body trim. You can actually take that whole panel off and get to the track mechanism itself just 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 to watch it, but what typically happens here, if there's nothing jammed up in that roller, and sometimes you have to look to see if there's schmutz, which is a technical term, jammed up in that roller on the back half of the track, or in the bottom of the track where the door opens down where your feet go in, just to make sure there's no debris, obstructions, cups, kids, toys, jelly beans, I mean, you name it, I've seen everything crammed in there. As, as long as both ends of that are clean, the next place you have to stop to consider is look at, and if you study the door carefully, you'll see there's a cable that connects to the front of the door and the back of the door. It, it, it basically comes out the front of the door, goes down the whole left side of the car, depending on which side the door is on, and then feeds into a, a trolley assembly tucked behind the the, the the wheel well inside the body and then a cable comes out the other side so and it's a push me pull you deal so as the cable gets shorter here it lengthens the other way so the motor pulls on the cable it pulls the door open it it extends it the other way to and then it wants to close it pulls on the opposite side and, and retracts the other so that's that's how they power the door open and closed i have seen i have seen more than a few of those mechanisms fail over time especially on a higher mileage and when you take one uh, i think there's like 166,000 on it you know you've got to you've got to stop and think about you know how many miles are on it how many times that door has been open and when you see this you'll have to take apart the interior trim panels you're, you're going to you're, you're going to say to yourself could they have made this any cheaper because it's all plastic and, and and metal cable it's just just a terrible design um it has honda Recall this no, issue or no, anything? No, Honda doesn't make mistakes. Come on, so Honda's, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, Honda's one of the most perfect car companies there is. Um, they they never make mistakes, brother. So, but that's that's where I would chase that. Now, as far as the lock actuators, 
Um, I'd have to tell you I'd like to see, you know, find that actuator, take the door panel off, find that actuator. It's part of the latch assembly for the door. And, you know, put a voltmeter, unplug it and put a voltmeter across it. Do you see it being activated or do you see that it's it's only activated when you put the switch on, you know, open or, you know, lock or unlock? Um, right. What, what we're trying to find out here is, and I've seen this, where the the actuator itself, which is part of the door latch, as I've said, uh, starts to go bad, and they chatter. They can't push it all the way to the open, or it can't pull it all the way back to the closed or locked position. So it chatters. It it sort of dithers in between. It's just it's just lost. Um, you'll you'll end up probably putting a latch assembly. I don't believe they make the the the, the opener available separate, but just be wary. Of what you buy, aftermarket parts get to be they get to be a little cheesy. I'd probably still go with an OE Honda part or some such equivalent. Um, I do have one more question okay. for you. Sure, real quick. Um, with the Honda Odyssey, um, I did notice we did have a check engine light come on uh, a couple days ago. And we did run a onboard diagnostic on it, and it came up with like a wiring harness fault or something like that up um, in the engine. I'm trying to remember yeah, where it, exactly. It depends on what number what number fault code you had, Joseph. Um, so yeah, I I you know depending upon what it is. Otherwise, I'd have to extrapolate out 1,800 possible reasons on what they are. So if you think of it and uh, you get the uh, you get the fault code, you remember what it is. Shoot me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com, and I'll I'll be glad to give you an answer that way. Um, but take a look at those other things. And here, a scan tool would really help, even in just opening out a sliding door. There's a lot you can look at with it, and uh, you may want to try and do that as well. I'm Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. We're on the name of the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's get over and talk to, let's go talk to Peter in Connecticut, 07 Honda CRV. Peter, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, hi, Ron. Great to talk to you. Yes, sir. Thank you. So I have a gremlin in my uh, air conditioner system and heating system on this uh, CRV. Okay. Um, I'll go through all the symptoms. So uh, one day in February, up in Connecticut, it's kind of cold in the morning, as you know, and uh, the heat. I, the cabin just didn't heat up enough, and the air, the air was coming out warm enough, but I figured out that the fan just wasn't blowing on high, and it would blow on high when the car was just started, but then later, it wouldn't blow on high, so I put a new resistor in, uh, so it wasn't too hard to do, and that fixed the problem for about a month. Uh, the next problem, um, I could hear the air conditioner clutch clicking on and off about every two seconds, on, off, on, off, on, off. Uh, even though I didn't have the air on or anything. Uh, then eventually the air conditioning stayed on all the time, uh, even though I didn't have any, you know. Peter, was the, was the air conditioning in the froster? No, definitely not. Was was definitely the air conditioning not. in the heat position? Uh, probably. Okay. You know, I probably I tried I tried the vent I tried the you know I tried different positions. If you if you turn the heat in the vehicle completely off, does the compressor click off and stay off? Uh, say it again. If if you've got the heat off, no heat, no AC, nothing, 
No blower, no no request. Yeah, yeah, it would still click on and off. It would still click on and off. Okay. I'm sure every, I had everything off, and it would still click on and off. Yeah, and then even if you turn the air conditioner on, it would still clock, click on and off. Okay. And another symptom, like say you shut the car off, and then you turn the just to the opposition. I can hear the fans, the the, uh, the two blower fans up front, the radiator. They were they were like on, and sometimes they vary up and down the speed. Um, okay. So then, the, so then the last problem now is um, now the heat's on all the time, and the blower fan switch uh, knob, which is like a variable, uh, that does nothing, and then the um, Temperature control does nothing. So now we have heat on all the time. So the one last piece of evidence to tell you um, that that unit does have like a self-diagnostic test if you push the buttons right. Right. So I went through all that and I got code six, which if I remember right, it's just, it's just like the blower. There's something wrong with the blower circuitry, and and the way that system works, the next code would have an internal fault of the heater control assembly, but it won't tell you that because code six is in front of it. So I'm I'm just wondering what it could be. Uh, that control assembly, the heater control assembly in the car is like five hundred dollars. Well, so. before I before I went and do that, I'd start. I'd be real curious. You have access to a scan tool? No. You, you know because just just, just the OB two one. Yeah, and that won't that won't give you that won't give you what you need. Um, yeah. I'd be curious. Do you have the old blower resistor? You know what? I kept it for a month, <laughs> and then the, the the day I threw it away is when they started acting up again. What brand blower resistor did you buy? I think I, I think I bought it on Amazon. I think it was a Honda, though. Be sure. I'm not sure. I can't. No, it probably wasn't a Honda. Yeah, it's you know, be sure because even if even if it came out of a Honda box, doesn't mean it's a Honda piece because we see a lot of counterfeit parts up on Amazon and everything online. So you know, you really have to question it, and that's an issue. Um, I give the dealer credit for a lot of things, and one is at least you know they're 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 sourcing. They've got to go through such strict channels that I have, I'm very confident when I buy a Honda part from the Honda dealer, it's a Honda part. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, what sort of input that would have. I wonder what would happen if you unplug that blower resistor. Would any of the other symptoms change or alter right. the way it's right. you know just just you'd have no blower, but what else would it affect? Um, right, that's a good idea. Maybe I should uh, investigate that. You know, because it, it sure seems kind of strange that you had a simple lack of blower response, and then all of a sudden, a month later, it developed this secondary problem. I have seen a few control head issues, but understand what you're what you're looking out from the outside in. You're you're seeing the tip of the iceberg. That control head is part of a communications network, and you'd have to be able to, you know, pin out. Power ground signal, you'd have to look at it on a scan tool. If you push the on-off button, does the scan tool record it? If you push an AC request, does it record it? In other words, you can measure correct response off of that vis-a-vis -a, -vis a scanner. And I, and there's other things you can do, but, I, you know, I would want to see that response as, as one of my primary tests. Now, and, you know, we'll, we'll eliminate some of the other things that everybody's going to talk about. The AC compressor clutch relay on that generation Honda, they should actually, when they sell you the car, they should tape one to the inside of the glove box and tell you to put it in when the car's got sixty or 70,000 miles on it and it's seven or eight years old because, like, the sun's going to come up, the relay's going to go bad. So there are other relays that match that if you look in the control center under the hood. Just, right. you know, do we have 
do we have two or three different problems here, uh, uh, you know, unrelated to each other, which are hard to diagnose because we don't have enough tools yet. Um, you know, if we look in the control unit and on a CRV, I believe it's in the relay box over on the passenger side closest to the firewall. Um, it's going to be in the engine compartment. It's either there or it's in the, right. batter, it's in the battery yeah, I, box I, I over on the left side. But I read, where all the relays all right, were, yeah. read the legend, the one that says AC, which... In, in, in Japanese right. will be the one with the with the ice cubes and the fan on it, and that's how they do it. Right. Um, yeah. You know, if you can find another relay, same part number for something innocuous, you know, fog lights, um, wiper motor, something like that, swap it. Does it make mm -hmm. any difference? Do yourself a favor. Take a magic marker and mark the two relays before you pull them out of their mm -hmm. sockets because I guarantee you you'll find two relays. You'll pull them both out, and the phone's going to ring, or somebody's going to call <laughs> your name, and you're going to turn your head and go, Whoa! Which one was which? Um, been there, right. been there, done that, brother. Um, but right. you know, those are the things I'd be thinking about. That that piece you're talking about, that control head, that's an actual controller. That's an actual computer on that mm -hmm. vehicle. So it's 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 a pretty major piece. It's a pretty expensive piece. The fact that you can put it through a self test, unless it came up with a fault for internal ROM error or internal memory error. I would tell you the fact that it can go through self-test. I wouldn't suspect it yet. I'd, I'd be I'd be looking everywhere else. And yeah, maybe that transit because that's a they call it a resistor transistor type of thing. So right. Maybe that right. can be uh, messing up with all the electronics. Right. Well, it it can be depending upon how it's wired. You know, I've seen resistor. I've seen res simple fan resistor blocks for vehicles today. They're wired in as a controller on the network, and it's got to communicate this way and take information from that way. Yeah. And you know. Good in, garbage out will, you know, affect the rest of the network going south. And the fact that the problem happened after that, you know, I always, I always, I always try to look for the simple. Right, right. All right. Yeah. So I kept that part for a month too. <laughs> right. And yeah, I know. I'm like, believe me, I'm like that myself. I, mm -hmm. so, um, you know. But let's let's yeah. let's try looking at it like that perspective. And if you have to, so, hey, look at it this way. It's a reason to go buy a better scan tool. Right, right. So if I disconnect the transistor there, see what happens. If not, I probably either probably have to go to a dealer, right, and they can scan it. Or... Yeah, well, they could scan it. They could diagnose it. Or, you know, let me ask the hard yeah, question. Yeah. What'd you pay for the resistor on Amazon? What'd you pay for uh, the part? Fifty dollars. Fifty. Huh? 50. All right. How much? How much is it from Honda? Probably a hundred. Don't maybe, don't, don't deal with don't deal with probably's. Find out because when you find yeah. out it's two hundred from Honda and you paid fifty for it on Amazon. Amazon's right. good, but they're not that good. That's a that's a bogus right. part. So, all right, kiddo. All right, Ron. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You call Have me back. You let me know what happens if you need to. Okay, Peter. Take good care. I'm Ron Annie in the car doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anini, the car doctor. Sorry about that, Mikey. I was uh, a technical problem inside the show here. So we're doing good so far, though, right? Yeah, we've had a good hour so far. Let's go talk to Franklin in Maui, Hawaii. Look at that. We have we have two listeners now in Hawaii, Walter and Franklin. Franklin, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, how you doing? All right. It's a long time since I talked to you. Thank you, sir. What's going on? Uh, I'm going to turn 76 next month, and I'm looking for my last car. Oh, come on. You know, why do we all think <laughs> like that? No, this one I like. Okay. 
I had it when I was 16, a 1939 Cadillac LaSalle. Wow. And I was at a junkyard, and they were going to torch it. So I said, how much do you want for it? They said $65. <laughs> so I gave $65 and drove the car home. And that was a lot of money back then. Oh, yeah. $65 was they wanted for trash because they were going to cut it up. $65, what year was that? That probably had to be... Uh, oh, 57. Right. 1957. So that was, was, yeah. was, was that a week's salary in 55, 56, 57? I made 90, uh, 90, let's see, what did I make then? Uh, $40 a week. Yeah. So that was that was that was that was a week and a half's pay. Yeah, but it was fantastic. What yeah. a car! And uh, I was driving on an unopened uh, freeway, and the right tire fell off. It went forward, and the car didn't even tell us that we lost the tire. Imagine that. You know, so, uh, you, you stop. It. You stop and look at cars, Franklin. Right, and the romance of the automobile before the show today. We were listening to an oldie station, and Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell, came on. And we're sitting there, and we're singing it in the studio, and we're all doing our work, getting ready for the show. And we're all, and, and I said to Tom, I, it, was, it was over, and I said, now, you know, it's such a great tune, but it's a car tune. How many people, you know, can remember being in, the, being in their car doing 60, 65, tearing back through some country road, listening to Meatloaf scream that at the top of his lungs? And yep. and what a good time that was. That's what we used to do. But I wasn't allowed to have a radio in my 57 Chevy. My dad said, you can't have a radio. So it had a plate there because that was distract distracting. Well, I Guess think what it is today. I don't know if it was in 57. In 55, radios were not installed at the factory. It was radio delete. I, I don't know in too many cases where radio was a dealer installed accessory, I believe, in 55. And well, it, I didn't get the radio, but the worst thing was uh, with the 57, it was a six owner. And uh, we had to, uh, when you go up a hill, uh, the, uh, it wouldn't, uh, the windshield wipers wouldn't work. You know, would cause that back Sure, then. vacuum, because they were vacuum wipers. Vacuum. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So uh, there was a lot of things that 57 had that the uh, 39 did not have. So what you're saying is... I love is, that 39. You, you, you're, what you're saying is the teenagers of today that are driving Honda Civics, probably when they're 76, aren't going to be going somewhere to find another 20, 2019 Honda Civic to bring back memories of their childhood. That probably well, just won't happen. Remembering the old cars to save them. That's what I used to do. Yeah. Saving the cars. I had a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, the the best was the 455 GTO HO. That was on the cover of magazines. Right. Way back when. 1972. Well, you know, and I think I think the fascination a lot of us have with cars, like we see cars, yeah, they're neat and they're cool and they're tough and they sound great and so on. But yeah, but electronic and electronic this, electronic that. Well, yeah, but their history, right? You know, yep. the, the the curvature, the curvature of a '55 Chevy front fender. I forget. I think it's 27 separate stamps and dies in order to make that 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 they couldn't reproduce that fender for the longest time because they didn't have the technology. And you know, you look at you look at how cars have constructed and evolved over the years. And now they're just stamped out. I think it's you know three movements, and they've got a car. Just yeah, it's it's, it's just but also no... is they're redoing the old stuff again. Right. So you can buy a '57 Chevy 
in a box. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Uh, Which is amazing. Yeah, nobody's reproduced a 2000 Well, when I get Honda. the car, you oh. can come to Maui, Hawaii, and see it run. Well, we might do that. Yeah, because it would probably be hard for you to drive here to see us. Yeah, there's no uh, driving on the ocean. <laughs> uh, well, it depends. If you ask certain Democrats, no, I can't say that. They'll tell you it's okay. There's oh. a bridge. So, all right, <laughs> not getting political. That way. I better go. They're going to yeah. shoot me. Ron and Annie in the yeah, car doctor. You're doing a great job. Thank you, Franklin. You up. take good care. So, yeah, we can't really say that. Was it, but wasn't there a politician that said she wants to eliminate... I'm going to state facts here. Wasn't there a politician that said she wants to eliminate airplane travel, and this way we're going to travel around by train, right? No more planes because of pollution, right? So I'm not, yeah, and I think it was AOC, right? She said, and, and, the, and, the, and the senator from Hawaii said it's going to be kind of hard to get to Hawaii. Somebody Google that and let me know if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll apologize. But that's what I remember about a month and a half ago, that two months ago. That was, you know, the Green Deal. We're going we're gonna to all take trains. Yeah, let's see you get to Hawaii real quick. 855-560-9900. This is not a political show, but we're trying to keep us on the straight and narrow and avoid stupidity. I'm Ron Annie the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. car doctor we're going to wind it up this hour hey quick tip from the car care council they've come out with a new video on tire pressure monitoring systems Um, the car care council's new video about tpms rich white executive director explain talks about the meaning of the symbol on your dashboard it's important to vehicle safety driving on underinflated tires can damage a vehicle and potentially cause a damage low tire pressure also leads to lower gas mileage you know it's true and a lot of people are out there driving around with that yellow light on they should have made it a different color the manufacturers then a yellow light for tpms and a yellow light for check engine it, it people kind of ah, it's just another dashboard light we're just immune to it but when that yellow light's on there's a problem with your tires just like when the check engine lights on there's a problem with the car and you want to you want to get that resolved and there's more information if you want you can check out the video and more information from the car care council at their website carcare.org all data you know i want to talk a little bit about all data and bulletins right a lot of you ask me questions about bulletins technical bulletins and 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 what it's all about i was reading their website i was up on alldata.com and they've got a real good article about mode six there you go to alldata.com forward slash mode six and you type that in mode six um, it's down in the blogs, but it's a really great breaks down mode six in its in its in it in it in a very complete and accurate manner. They came out with a recent bulletin that talked about 04 Explorers running bad at low RPM, and you have a 171-174 lean fuel condition fault code. If you don't know about this bulletin, and in it it talks about problems with the vacuum lines rubbing against the crank sensor area, causing a lean condition, you'll never fix the car. Things like that and more at all data. Check them out at alldata.com. Until the next time, I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.